This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and, well, the arts again, with our ever-evolving open discussion segment, Is It Art? Focusing on the underground collectors of the internet that live in the deep web, circle the dark web, and participate in the black markets that profoundly affect the art community. Looking for that special deal that you can't get anywhere else, or creating the next spot to corner the market, or just finding a space free of censorship, or making, creating, or just finding that new thing that'll change the industry forever. So there's no theses today, no history, no gems, just unadulterated discussion. To hash things out, I am joined by cybersecurity expert Nathan Brady. Mr. Brady has been in the cybersecurity sector for 25 years now, has more than 30 technology certifications, and currently works as an executive level security architect that focuses not only on the technology side of things, but also the people and processes it serves. So I know he's going to have a lot to say on the subject today. So, Mr. Brady, welcome to the show. Thanks for sitting down with us, my man. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show, there, Novo. And uh, I'm disappointed that you said you said no theses. That's that's kind of my jam. So, well, there's no theses today because we're we're not we're not doing one of those shows where we pick one topic. This is this is we're doing we're doing a ton of topics today. Well, we're we're doing. There's a lot to discuss under the umbrella that is the dark web. I always feel like I, I feel like I'm a fucking CSI when I say it that way. Like, you know, what kind of chat rooms are have you been in, son? Kind of shit. <laughs> <The> <laughs> now, original. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Now, uh, before we get started, I know, uh, so Nathan Brady, of course, is your civilian name. So I, you probably, I'm not sure if you knew this about our show. We are actually huge on the dark web, the deep web. We have millions and millions of listeners. So they're probably not going to know you by Nathan Brady. So to the all the people that are listening right now on the dark web, uh, what, how, you know, if you had to give your, your handle, your pseudonym, your moniker that is part of the dark web so they could recognize you. What uh, What's some of your go-tos? Well, I mean, to my fans out there, they might know me <laughs> as, uh, they might know me as Goat Roper, Fuck Goat Monster. Goat Roper. Oh, yeah. man. Fuck Monster? Is that what fuck I heard? Monster. Yeah. Okay. Now, before we can discuss, uh, we got to, we got to take a little break. We'll be right back, guys. This episode is brought to you by Novella Adulteration. Follow adult entertainer Jessica Amber Starr as she embarks on a journey that will change her life forever. She not only finds herself in the industry, but figures out a way to transform herself and eventually become reborn. Find out how an adulteration, which can be found on Amazon in both paperback and ebook, available now. Now back to the show. So, uh, Nate, we're back, and I want to... There was a lot of different framing devices that I I had in my head for this show. It's going to be part past, present, future, but also it's so easy to use the iceberg metaphor, as already joked about, as uh, the framing device for a show like this. Because what we are used to is the literal tip of the iceberg, what we use on Google, everything that can be indexed by search engines. So I want to break it down slowly for the good people that don't know. So I want to start with some definitions because the deep web, we're going to start with the deep web because that often gets confused with the dark web because when people talk about it, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So they (laughs) conflate the two, They, they interchange them a lot, but they're not the same. Let's start with the deep web. What is that? The deep web, you know, this is simple. This is really anything that you will need a username and password to get to, right? So it's just something that, you know, you can't go to Google and find, right? So, you know, in Google, you can go and, you know, if you bank uh, with Chase, you can go find Chase, but, you know, you can't go and, you know, search for, uh, you know, for Goat Roper's uh, bank records. You won't, you won't find them. Uh, For (laughs) Goat, Goat Roper and, (laughs) okay, very good. So then, okay, so how I understand it, for, you know, since I am, I'm like the child in the room, you're explaining it to the child and you're the expert. I, I like, I would read it as this is just part of the internet that not a lot of people access because it's not indexed on search engines. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you may access it, but mo- most people can't access it. Like you, like your bank records you access and maybe your bank accesses, but you know, the rest of the internet can't get to it, right? So it's it's private. You could just basically think of it as private private places on the on the internet where you'd have to either log into or have a code, something like that, to get into. And so, what is the then the dark web as compared to the deep web? Well, you know, if the dark web or if the deep web is something you have to uh, have a credentials to get to, the dark web is a place that you have to know where it's at, mm. right? So, you know, I like to think of it as. You know, it, the universe is very dark, right? And most of it's empty space. And if you were going to go to some place in the universe, you have to know specifically the coordinates uh, to get to it, right? So that some, some security by obscurity there, and that's sort of how the dark web works. Um, and also, you can't get there from a regular browser. You need a special browser uh, that runs on something called the the Onion Router, 
And this is something where uh, you have to have a special browser. It's very anonymous. Uh, nobody that's on the dark web can very easily be tracked. Uh, and you really have to know where you're going, right? There's no where Google will provide you a map. You could search for things. The dark web really doesn't have that. They have some search engines, but, you know, people are on the dark web for a reason because they don't want to be searched. And for the most part, you know, uh, most places on the dark web, you'd never know about them unless you knew they were there. I'm glad you brought up the onion or dot onion or onion la- land, as I often read it described. Uh, first, I got to um, tease you guys a little bit. So is is it just a a silly reference to the layers of an onion? That That is, if, if you look at the way the technology works, and I don't want to bore you, you said, you said no thesis. So uh, <laughs> the, the, the way it sort of works is it is, it's layered. So your your traffic will go through multiple layers before it gets from, you know, maybe your PC to the, the place, its destination in the Onion network. Uh, so that's why it's called the Onion router is because it routes you through multiple layers. So you kind of have an outside layer where you get in, um, and you can even, in fact, go through the dark web and come out the other side. Uh, you can actually mm. browse the regular internet through the dark web. So that's basically what that it is a reference kind of to to an onion and the fact that it's got layers. Tor, T-O-R, actually stands for the onion router. That's where it comes from. So it, it is the, it's still the onion network. And uh, to get onto it, you need a Tor browser. And that basically will use a, a, a gateway to get into the dark web, right? So think of it as you're on the internet and you know, you're know you sort of dialing into the dark web. Uh, and so from you to the edge of the dark web is basically traceable. So somebody on the outside could see that you're going to the dark web, uh, but they won't be able to see where you're going inside of that, right? It's like a tunnel. So it sets up a tunnel to you know a node on the outside. And then from there, uh, it's untraceable. So somebody, you know, if somebody was tracking you, they might be able to see Okay, you're using the dark web, but they'll have no idea what activity you have. I I want to I want you to put a pin in that because I think we can't talk about this subject without talking about Silk Road, the very first of its kind, which was a black market of sorts on the dark web that dealt with a little of everything, but with the use of anonymity, you know, and obviously using cryptocurrency, and we'll get to that a little later. But the founder that designed Silk Road was found. So first, tell the good people what Silk Road was and maybe and maybe how it wasn't as anonymous as we thought. <laughs> well, I mean, Silk Road was like the eBay of of the dark web, right? I mean, but but you know, instead of finding stuffed animals and things like that, you know, you you could find all sorts of services. I mean, it was everything from uh, you know, uh, stolen artwork, music, uh, artifacts from wars. And the real dark shit. Absolutely. Really, really sad things that you could find out on, uh, uh, the, on the, the dark darkest shit. shit, hence the name for the dark web. And the founder, Ross Ulbricht, you know, I hope I'm not butchering that last name. But, you know, so the FBI, the CIA, the intelligence communities went out of their fucking way to get this guy to shut this down if it's so anonymous how'd they get him you're going to be shocked to find that most people uh if you pay for something in the dark web right you're going to pay with bitcoin yeah um and we'll have to (laughs) we'll have to yeah we're going to have to take a little bit of a detour talk about bitcoin no no please do i want it because because bitcoin you know 
most people in the lexicon know Bitcoin, right? That's that's pretty out into yep. the culture now. That is the biggest form of cryptocurrency. And that is technically part of the reason that they use that is that is supposed to be non-traceable as well. Ah, but uh-huh. it leaves a paper trail to an extent. Actually, Bitcoin is the most traceable asset on the planet. Oh, okay. So that is what's the, what the interesting thing about, that's how it works, right? Is uh, Is you've got a ledger um, that everybody has a copy of, right? So everybody that participates with Bitcoin has basically a copy of this letter, a ledger, and there's no names on it, right? You have this long cryptic address that's sort of random. um, And one of those addresses will basically be your wallet, right? So everybody that's participating in Bitcoin can see, hey, you know, uh, you know, goat roper, but they want to goat roper, whatever, whatever my uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever my address happens to be, yeah, um, is got some Bitcoin in it, right? And they can see that the transactions in and out, everything is it's like play like you know open face uh, banking, right? Think of it that way. But nobody knows whose account it is. The problem with Bitcoin, and this would be very anonymous, and it would work great unless you, it's assuming you never bought anything that was linked to your name or exchanged it for real dollars, right? The moment you take your Bitcoin address and you transfer them to uh, get to get real dollars, that's when it can become traceable. We can translate it, right? Mm. So, you know, when I tran- when I when I sell, you know, you know, ten Bitcoin and 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 deposit that money into my bank account, that is a traceable like, transaction. So, is that how I'm I'm jumping to the end of the movie? Is that how we got them? That's how they busted them. Yeah, they just yeah. use Bitcoin, right? They seized the bitcoins. Um, and they and traced they, they the bitcoins them. to a real when they when it was changed to real internet, like U.S. currency, I assume. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it had something like thirty million bucks, something like that, uh, okay. just from memory. So they so traced it back from, and that and that's how essentially the how I understand the charges were too. It wasn't they weren't charging him for fucking you know trafficking you know no like sex trafficking charges or drug trafficking charges or something like that it's like it was like wiretapping and fraud and all of these like huge things to eventually bring him down and the entire uh site down as well oh yeah i mean the irs had a big piece of it right uh which you would say what what does that have to do with it but the 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 the, the kind of the money laundering (laughs) uh portion of it right that's really i think what they what you get what they got him on i feel like that i mean jesus christ we don't have time (laughs) but i feel like that could be an entire show is just silk road and learning the ins and outs of the operation and everything that went on there but we we have to move on i do want to ask this before we move on to me these kind of things silk road and everything that came after it, in your humble opinion, to me, they're like the Hydra head. You cut one, or in this case, you shut down one, and two or three pop up. And I feel like we'll have shit like this forever. Well, I mean, black markets, so, uh, you know, I actually have a PhD in economics, right? So I study markets and stuff like that. So this is kind of an interesting tangent for me out of technology, because black markets, they occur any anytime you've got regulation, right? So yeah. you know, just the drugs on your street, right? Imagine, and I'm not advocating for you know legalizing every sort of drug. I'm not, I'm not advocating. No, that. just I mean, looking at it qualitatively, quantitatively, from a big lens. You know, if you if you could go get heroin from CVS down the, down the block, 
uh, most gangs would be out of business, right? We wouldn't have gangs. We wouldn't sure. have that kind of thing. Now we might have other problems, right? I'm not saying, but um, yeah, that's but, a hydra but, head too, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so that, that I think that's the the big thing is that the when you have regulation and you make things illegal, it doesn't make the demand for them to go away, right? There's still demand, and where there's demand, you know, some supply will meet it, um, and that's where you get black markets. So ah. I, I think Silk Road and the dark web is really nothing new to humanity. We've had these for a long time. You know, you go back to prohibition in the United States here. Well, we had, uh, we had speakeasies, you know, I mean, it, it, you always have it. So, uh, but it's just a new way of doing it, right? Well, we have online banking Well, we got online black markets. There will always be a market for these things, uh, in other words. And yeah. um, what is the most contemporary version of Silk Road, and what is it called right now? I I, I don't think that I don't think that uh, that there really is one uh, because really? as soon as there is one, um, in it the goes point, It kind of gets shut down. Uh, there certainly is. They have to conceal it even more. It sounds like you know you so have to know where it is. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's there's probably not probably there is a version of Silk Road that exists today, but they're not going to give it a name. They're not going to give it the spotlight because they still want to use it. For right, all their fucking things, right? Yeah, there are many. Yeah, there's me- there are many guaranteed. But rest assured, there's plenty of places, right? Uh, and you can tell just by the transactions, right? You can tell by looking at Bitcoin transactions. There are people that analyze this that that we can tell the number of above board, above board transactions and uh, below ground transactions. And there are a lot of below ground transactions that have no apparent, you know, legitimate transaction, you know. That's happening above the water, right? So, for sure, it's it's definitely happening. Um, but yes, if you know, it's not like there's an eBay. Uh, I mean, there are there are places, but again, they 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 can get shut down because they can basically be demonetized. Because as soon as those people, what happens is the the FBI or whatever co- country wants to investigate them, they go to these these sites, they make purchases, they track the Bitcoin, and then they just wait, right? Uh, and for them to sell it, right? And then once they do, they go and bust them. Okay, so let's tell the good people why. Why are we talking about this day? Because I know there's going to be a few listeners out there that's like, what the hell? Why why are they talking about this kind of stuff today on this show? I just want to hear about abstract expressionism or avant-garde or modernism or, or some painting or some album or something like that. Well, I will tell you, good people. So for those few listeners that are like, I don't, why are we even doing this? So, uh, it does affect the art community because a lot of the things that change the game forever happen in these communities first so it's important to understand them learn the history then pay attention to the present and then try to anticipate the future so let's start with motivation first why do these people do it great great question i mean there's the obvious one the obvious one is financial gain right so okay uh you know and people steal things sell things and it's just the agent profit motive, right? People just want to profit and it's illegal to sell stuff above board. Or maybe maybe it is legal to sell it, but it'll be traced and you have to pay taxes, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so people can use the dark web to evade that sort of thing, make things untraceable and, and either avoid taxes or avoid you know showing the transaction at all. But there's a lot, also a fair bit of uh, just street cred, right? Like I, I mean, want to look cool to my friends. Yep. I mean, if you look at, you know, look at the gangs that you can see in the street. Now I, I live in Chicago, right? So we, we've got gangs and, you know, I, I, well, I, I think that I do when I see a gang member, I, I, 
usually the tattoos across the eyebrow and neck are a good indicator. Mm, Not yeah, always, the forehead, but, yep, yeah. big spider on the neck, <laughs> the spider web on the elbow, the tears yeah. running down the eyes. Yeah, I mean, pretty good, pretty good tip. Not all. I mean, not always. I guess, right? And you got <laughs> well. You got a few. You got a few neck tattoos and a tear or two on your across your eyes. So I guess um, it depends. I'm kidding. For research Guys, purposes yeah. only. I, I, it's the same sort of thing, right? People like had street cred. They 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 got a cool name. You know, the, some of these things are like the digital equivalent of having a tattoo, and it's just to show how cool you are. So. I mean, this is really true in what kind of called like the almost it's it's almost the amateur level of the dark web where you've got people, you know, uh, art like digital art, NFTs, things like stolen music, movies, TV shows. These guys don't make any money on this stuff, uh, not generally. And and this is really just to be part of, you know, to have some fame, right, to be cool. And, you know, you have access to. Uh, you know, uh, interesting chat rooms and that sort of stuff. So now we need to focus on the black markets themselves because we need to start start talking about the GD art. Okay, so the black markets on the dark web is already joked about are used for the worst of the worst. They're uh, child pornography, illegal far- firearm trafficking, drug dealing is already joked about. Probably you could probably find snuff films that depict homicide and suicide. But as of late, you know, we're hearing more about ransomware and of co- and of course botnets which are as well as traditional forms of hacking, financing, and fraud. And we already talked about the cryptocurrency, so we don't have to go back to that. But I do want to start the conversation with the bots because we had a show, uh, click here, Swifties versus Ticketmaster, because we are, if you're wondering where (laughs) the the bots came from, it's probably a lot of the communities in the dark web because before before this kind of stuff was taking over the concert the concert ticketing industry we had things like fucking Napster in the underground we had things like LimeWire before they were taken down and that changed the music industry itself overnight and now we have bots that can buy things before you can even click a button so i'm wondering where the evolution is going with a lot of uh, other forms of art because we've also seen things like stolen art on these markets that are then resold to other collectors and things like that. So I want to start on the dark side of this because it's a lot more fun and then go to some of the uh, criticisms of the um, more traditional galleries and ways to get the art into the world or to consume it, I should say. And I'm going to give them a little bit of, you know, defense too, defend some of their actions. But what have you found in terms of the artistic communities, things like that, that has changed from some of these black markets? It used to be like if you had artwork maybe that was stolen. I mean, right now what's happening in Ukraine is going to probably uh, stimulate some black market things, right? So mm. you, you've got no doubt, uh, you know, wealthy owners of things in in Ukraine that maybe had artwork, they maybe had collectibles, uh, and those things, uh, if they're sold on the regular market, right, people will see, hey, you know, these Russian soldiers are doing this and that. Um, and so if you're a Russian soldier and you happen to cross, you know, well, obviously not the Mona Lisa, but something like it, right, uh, an important piece of artwork, um, artifacts, historical pieces, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you scoop it up, you sell it on the dark web, so nobody knows it was you. Uh, and and you can make some money, and uh, and and that's that. What I did find in my research that was interesting as well is that a lot of artists will gravitate towards 
putting their art on the dark web. So not stolen art, original art, mm. because it may be so controversial. It may be so envelope pushing that when they try to put it up into regular galleries or other things, they get censored right away. And we see things like this already with Facebook and Instagram and other platforms like that where you they have, you know, rules and if you violate the rules they can take down not only the picture but lock your whole thing lock your whole site or your profile same with youtube for video related artistic ventures and so i found that in the defense of something like the dark web so we already talked about the dark side but in the defense of the the dark web a lot of artists are flocking to these places because they have not only the anonymity, but they have the freedom to do or, you know, still within some boundaries. I think a lot of the art that I actually saw on the dark web wasn't, you know, the crazy, dark, twisted corners of the mind that you could, you know, use your imagination. Again, probably a la in the vein of like child pornography, you know, related art. But it's just, it was just like... Let's take a tasteful nude, for example. So it's an adult consenting uh, subject that posed for the nude, hypothetically. The painter painted them, but maybe there was a position that was a little more provocative, a little too sexy for a gallery. And they really believed in their art. So they couldn't find any other place to put it but the dark web. And I found that very fascinating. I, I, I'm in support of it. I mean, the dark, just because it's something we call it the dark web doesn't mean it's a bad place. <laughs> it, 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 it's some place that you can... It's still you, a little you, silly on, on paper, we call it. I feel like we need like a cooler name for it. For this, is just, this is just the media, right? We don't, you know, right. uh, it, 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 in cybersecurity, we don't call it the dark web, right? We, what do you we call, call it? Tor. Tor. Oh, just Tor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 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 the deep web, the deep uh, web. we don't usually yeah, call it that. This sounds silly, right? So we just call that place you have to use a username and password. We call that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, but but you, you know, movies. You give TV. it a little more formality. You know, it's a tour. Yeah. yeah it is what it is. Tour. You know, just because we call it the dark web doesn't mean that it, it has to only only um, cater to criminals. You know, you can also find a lot of a lot of uh, freedom on these platforms because you're not censored. Well, well, look what happens though. E- e- even in places, let's say, let's say Twitter doesn't censor you, right? You, it's so people dox you, they'll figure you you out, and then you know, there's just this idea of canceling canceled. people. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I hate that. Oh, I hate it, you can't be. Yeah, I mean, people say stuff I don't like all the time, right? I mean, especially right. again, libertarian. I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so, you know, but I don't think that we should censor them. Uh, same thing with artwork, sure. artwork. I don't like, Agreed. you know, I don't, I don't think that we should censor it, but the reality is, is you're going to, you know, we have freedom of speech and if people want to figure out who you are and post a name and shame you publicly, then I guess they can. And I guess the part of the beauty of the dark web is that that can't be done. If you're on the dark web, unless you intentionally, you know, or, or really stupidly do something, nobody's going to know who you are. Right. So you can. You know, goat ro- goat roper can have his goat collection and goats posed in all these different, uh, you know, interesting poses, and uh, you know, then I can go about my day job and, and and nobody knows it was me. I think you bring up a good point because and a good talking point because in the vein of talking about the positive side of Tor, I'll just I'll I'll start to calling it that because I'm just gonna make fun of calling it the dark web. I I'm curious to hear more 
items and it doesn't have to be necessarily artistic i mean if it is great that that'll fit into the show perfectly but just out of curiosity since there is so much freedom and anonymity in these communities and in these different platforms what other things on the positive side so the complete opposite side Mm. of the criminality of it what else are you seeing that is kind of freeing for a lot of uh, people to join these communities all right this is going to sound like why would this ever be you know you know what's not you can buy on the dark web breast milk breast milk okay oh uh uh, uh, elaborate yeah so (laughs) okay it's i'm I'm buckled up i'm with you okay i'm not let's go for a ride well so it it it, so my wife's a nicu nurse and uh and i so i i learned this recently um that this is on the dark web but i've known it's illegal for a long time because if let's say if you're a you know you're a a new mom uh or maybe an adoptive mother and you would love to give your you want to give your child milk, but you either can't do it because you're not lactating, right? So, and you would and there's somebody else that's willing to sell you breast milk. If you wanted to sell that, you could on the dark web, and and they do. Mm. Uh, same thing. You can even you can buy things like unpasteurized milk. I mean, a lot of things that the FDA would say you can't buy, which, to my opinion, are probably you know look if you know if you want to drink unpasteurized milk, I, you know, I think you're kind of dumb, but go for it, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you do you. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Teach their own. So uh, that's some weird things uh, that you can find out there. Um, I think anything that people don't want uh, other people to know that they do, you know, it's not necessarily illegal. Um, You know, I think, like you said, like nudes and stuff like that are really, really are all over the place. Right. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it's the site that recently changed uh, uh, OnlyFans. Right. Well, there's dark web. Only fans, right? And it's even more anonymous, right? So is it just like what is it just the shit that is not allowed on OnlyFans, like the crazy BDSM communities or like you just don't have to give them your uh, a cut, right? And then only ah, see OnlyFans okay. knows who you are. Right. And if you sell yourself on the dark web, nobody knows who you are, right? But sometime but how I understand that, and this is this is technically artistic because I consider them I consider uh, those people that participate in that as kind of as kind of performance artists. Oh, or, sure, no doubt about it. You know, like pornography. I, is I've heard. I've never, I've never watched one. I, I just heard. <laughs> yeah, pornography is performance art, and the the thing that I would be concerned about in hearing that though is that's part of the way they protect the performer is to make sure because so what you're describing is is someone on the dark web since they don't have to actually. Uh, confirm who the who the identity of the of the person is, uh, so they don't have to take the cut. But they, that also means that they could just copy someone else's content and put it up to sell. Correct? Sure. And, and that and actually that and does that happen. does happen, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's places it's on the dark web, but believe it or not, it would I would you know using the terms we had earlier and the deep web. You know, you guys, everybody remembers BitTorrent, right? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Still a thing, right? Uh, there yeah. are. Uh, BitTorrent sites, which I would classify not necessarily the dark web. BitTorrent sites are like what, like what Napster and LimeWire evolved into, uh, with a little more anonymity and things like that. So yes, you can download you movies and music, and you can just steal stuff essentially, right? Yeah, but you need a login to get to the tracker and that kind of thing, and and so you can find all that stuff there too, right? So you'll have right. if there if there if there's a porn site out there that's been it's been copied. And there's an up-to-date copy of it on these torrent sites and on the dark web, right? So all that stuff is out of so selling things and original works. Um, you know, there's no regulation on the dark web. So 
sometimes you get original things, sometimes you got stolen things. And, you know, the thing is, is if you're on the dark web and you buy something digitally, yeah, you, know, you still you just don't so much care, right? Uh, <laughs> where it came from. <laughs> Let's transition now. You, you said you said the key word, you know, digital. So because the art communities are slowly but surely, of course, evolving to complete digital forms of art. And we've talked about that on previous shows uh, with famous artists like Beeple and things like that that do only digital art. You know, it's all CGI or it's all made uh, through Photoshop or, or whatever software they're using, right, to make some sort of digital piece. Uh, it be uh, a flat 2D, a 3D, or an animation. Now, how they are selling that is through, we've already talked about this on the show, so we're not going to uh, spend a ton of time on definitions, but of course, the the big fucking thing, you know, right now is NFTs, non-fungible, non-fungible tokens. And if you, if I will say this, though, as just a quick primer, if you don't know what an NFT is, but you've just heard about it, you know, like on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or whatever you're, you're watching, um, it is that token is essentially just a stamp of authenticity. So you're paying for just like a painting in a, this is the, this is the analogy I use. You can go to MoMA and look at a Warhol or a Pollock or anything like that. You can't take it off the wall and take it home. You can't take the original, right? But what's if you want to put something like that on your wall, you buy the print version of it, the copy for you know, a fraction of the price, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is. So people can make copies, you know, right-click, save as, digital art all the time, but people are wanting the original, right? So that's so the token gives you that stamp of authenticity. So that's what you're really buying. So you're buying what is known to be the original through this authenticity stamp. Now, with that being said, I want to tee up this conversation with this question for you, Nate. We already, so me and Buck did a show on this, and we already, I was on one side, he was on the other. He kind of uh, thinks it's still the wave of the future. I kind of think it was a fad. Uh, where do you think the future in, of NFTs and markets like that are going? I think NFTs, when they represent something real, right? You could have an NFT for your car title, your house title, right? Something sure. like that. Uh, I think NFTs are going to be hugely useful, right? Okay. Uh, if you've ever bought a house and had to, you know, pay that title fee, right? As stupid as that is, the title search and all that stuff, NFTs and blockchain completely gets rid of that. So physical, tangible items, important. But let me pull you back. Let's do a Novo pullback. Let's go back to just the digital art. If it's just that... I don't see the use. Uh, and here's okay. why, right? When you're talking about, you know, a piece of artwork, right? I just, because I used the Mona Lisa earlier, I'll just stick with the Mona Lisa, right? Okay. Um, it, to, you're owning a piece of history, right? Uh, this is, this is something that there's only one of them, right? Uh, and, and it's not about, I mean, it's not a particularly good uh, painting, right? I mean, it, it, if you've, if you've looked at the Mona Lisa, you know, uh, you might go, it's not yeah, a great it's, work with this guy Leonardo it, da Vinci. I don't, I don't, you it's know. It's famous because it's famous is the joke. It's yeah. It's, because it's, it, uh, it's famous. So like, it's not about the art, right? It's about yeah. the fact that Leonardo da Vinci. Well, it's culture. It's timing. He also died with it. He died holding it. That's another <laughs> right. nugget of history that not a lot of people know. You're holding a piece of history, right? That was, this was something that Leonardo da Vinci touched 
probably coughed on, bled on, read his DNA somewhere in there. You know, I mean, uh, so this is cool. Um, and and it, I think that is why that there's value in the Mona Lisa. Now, if I was to scan the Mona Lisa, um, they're all the same, right? When you, if I, if I give you an NFT, just like you said, it's just like a stamp of authenticity. But when I copy the image from one to the other, you really never copy anything, right? You don't actually, there's no way to have an original copy of something on the internet. Even if you move something from one folder to another, right? It's just, it's just replicating the bits. And so there's no such thing as a, as an original copy. Mm. Um, so I personally, I don't think that that's, you know, valuable, but there may be other people that are right. Maybe, you know, just to have that stamp. I mean, look at, look at on Twitter, right? People like they pay for a, a blue check mark, um, and they see value in it. So and I, value is subjective, man. And we, and we don't. We at NDP, we're like, ah, we we're, we're still doing fine with our with our peanuts and our scraps down here in, <laughs> in Nowheresville. Um, yeah, we don't. I will say this: I have noticed a difference. I have noticed that uh, he, I, well, uh, yes and no. We were already not getting the numbers like. Like obviously, people that have been on something like Twitter for for eons, we've only been on it for a few years marketing this stuff. Uh, but we have seen a little bit of change. But we're we're still so new. It's 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 a scratch of the surface kind of thing. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, to uh to our our marketing. <laughs> to us marketing ourselves versus people that I think have been there for 10 years and they have the legacy check marks and they're yeah. you know marketing their <laughs> huge blockbuster Marvel movies and all this shit. Um, and we're just, we're just down here like, Hey, you want to, you want to shoot the shit about fucking Mona Lisa paintings and stuff like yep. that over here. NFTs and, and goats and goats. Yeah. Let's talk evolution. Let's talk. So we've talked a little bit about the past. We've talked a little bit about the present. Now we need to talk about the future because these things are always evolving like faster than I can comprehend them sometimes, or uh, most of us can fathom. Now, what can something like these black markets evolve into? This is maybe a two-part question. What do you think the evolution of these worlds are as we probably evolve into something like the metaverse? And these Communities are disruptors, just like I use the example of, you know, Napster, LimeWire, essentially changing the mu music industry overnight, and they were doing it illegally, and it was once underground until it came to the surface, just like these botnets that are designing these bots to do illegal activities were underground, and then they came to the surface. What is something that you can maybe just you know, speculate on that's still under the surface that may be something that we'll eventually see. And how will these realms evolve? Well, I think the first part is the digital currencies, um, you know, mm. Bitcoin and, you know, lots of, I mean, there's so many digital currencies out there now, but they kind of get a, 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 you know, a bad rep. But uh, they have no inherent value yet. We They only have the value that we give them as a culture. Well, yeah. And 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 for the most part, people think of them as, well, you you would only use those things for, for bad. Because I think, like, I, the futurist in me says, eventually, there's no way around this. We will have to all transition to some sort of digital currency. Oh, I, probably I, I, I think won't sooner. Be, 
I think yeah, I don't think it'll be Bitcoin. You know, to me, it's like not going to be Bitcoin because they want it to be regulated. The banks want right. to regulate it. You but, it. you know, we'll need a digital currency eventually because we're only pushing into these into these environments more and more as we evolve as a culture and a society. But how we give it that inherent value, I think, will be dramatically different because we've seen, seen things like, you know, the, their stock market crash overnight and all these things and people losing millions and millions of dollars they put into Bitcoin. You know, how do we even get there, Nate? It, it's easier than you think. Uh, the Federal Reserve has already done uh, pap- several papers on digital currencies. They kind of have it queued up. China's testing it now. I, I think it's inevitable because, you know, and this is, we'd have to get a little bit into politics, but. Okay. Keep it, keep it above the belt. Keep it above. Yeah. yeah you can go below the belt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the government's bit. not going to want to lose control, right? Okay. And yeah. Especially the U.S. government. And I think that they are beginning to lose control of the value of the dollar. And the, the what's interesting is, you know, there's always a bit of irony in tech and black markets and regulation because what I think will happen. If I had to guess, is that they will have a, a digital currency, but then physical currencies, gold, that kind of stuff, will become the underground, right? Uh, mm, interesting. <laughs> um, because what happens is once it becomes digital, all of the things that we created digital currencies to be, which were anonymity, decentralized, those will no longer be the case, and we'll be left with a centralized currency that uh, government that can easily tax you. I imagine, you know, today it's difficult, but uh, you know, if somebody could look at all of your transactions and go you're a bad person, so we're going to tax you more, right? Um, and you, you laugh. Isn't but that what credit scores are? Like, oh, you didn't pay your bills on time, so you're inherently, I guess, we're guessing you're a bad person. Sorry, you laugh. You they do this in China already. This is already a thing in China, right? Wow. So uh, social credit scores. So that sort of thing, I, I think, will happen. And then ironically, I think that some sort of paper currency barter, even Bitcoin itself will kind of become the the underground. So let me let me pull you back a little bit though. So that that it was a good answer. So a, a, <laughs> a logical a logical evolution is a complete cryptocurrency or a, just a digital currency that yep. can be re- like regulated that we can all use. And in a way, I, I've heard uh, my ghostwriter wife TV Del Rio kind of joke about this already. She's like, "Don't we already kind of have digital currency? If we're just using a debit card or something like that, it's just numbers in a computer that are going up and down, you know, with income versus outcome." Uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's kind of true, but it's not. It's not. You, you know, you can still take out. You know, you can go to the ATM and take out tangible hard cash, right? Yeah. It's 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 hard. And you know, one day we won't be able to have that part of it, right? So after that, so after that happens." What would be the next logical step after that? I, I think, and this is good, maybe a little bit what maybe you're not expecting is Ooh, if you look at curveball. A- I like it. A- AI is the big thing now, right? Oh, yeah. ChatGPT. We did a show on that too. Here, click here. Yeah. So, really neat things coming out of ChatGPT. Um, but if you ask ChatGPT certain types of questions, it won't answer. Oh, yeah. It's still crude and there's still a lot of safeguards. But, right, safeguards. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and right now, people are and voluntarily putting those safeguards. Um, And I think if you look at, there was, I think uh, Elon Musk just did an interview and he was saying, basically he thinks that AI is going to need some regulation. I, how I understand it, they've all, all those minds have said, let's put a pause on this. This is moving so fast. Let's put a pause. Let's put a six month pause on all AI development. Who enforces that? So it has to be the government, right? And what do you do when you, we just talked about this earlier, you create a black market. 
right? Ah, so I think you're so going to... It push, always goes back to a black market in a way. I think you're going to push AI engines and access to them underground, uh, I think is what's going to happen. So if you want to ask certain types of questions, uh, you'll be able to do it, but you're going to have to do it on the dark web, uh, that sort of thing. So I, I, that's my guess, is that we, it, if they regulate AI, we're going to see AI move underground uh, for some darker purposes. Do you think there will be a metaverse uh, version of society like Ready Player One? Like, <laughs> do we will we ever get there where we are living in these worlds? I mean, it, it, you know, so I've got an 11 year old daughter and okay. they're real close. You know, we have a VR headset. She uses it. She plays with her friends. But if you look at kids, they're always they've got their heads down in their phones. Right. And it's just a 2D device. But you give them a lightweight, easy way to 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 be more virtual, and I think so. Uh, I think it's just a you know right now. I think it's a technology and price hurdle. As soon as that's gone, which it will be, right? Uh, I, I think the, I think the metaverse will happen, but I don't want to make it. It's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that can happen from that. I mean, if you look at how we we all work uh, from home now, and and sure. we had, we're kind of forced into that, but. Imagine being able to do more face-to-face, more collaboration. Productivity, efficiency yeah. can go through the roof. Hypothetically. Yeah, absolutely. Or tutoring. Think, think yeah. about education. surgery. Well, going back to ChatGPT, you know, I feel like, oh man, I would love the positive sides of what AI could do just for education. The idea of, of everybody in the world being educated to some of the levels that some of our us, you know, some of our peers and contemporaries have been educated too. It, that could change the world in and of itself if everyone could read. I, th- I think we take for granted how lucky we are and how much of the world is still living way in the past and how much of a future we could build if we were all on the same page. Well, it it, it, it removes the, uh, the requirement to memorize things, right? If you look at most of your childhood, most of your college education, what are you doing? You're memorizing things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not original thought. Uh, at all. And AI won't have, in my opinion, original thought, right? It, it's just, it's able to access all of the original thoughts that everybody else has had so far. It's still a model, right? It can never truly be conscious in a lot of people's eyes. So what happens is now as humans, you can, we can add to the body of knowledge without getting a PhD, right? That's really what a mm-hmm. PhD is about, is you, you learn everything there is to know about one little topic, and then you add on to it. And that takes you 30 years to get there. AI maybe gets you to those bounds a lot faster. Um, and finding what are the bounds of current knowledge and then being able to add that back in. Um, it, it, that kind of thing really makes me really excited as, as an academic. So let's bring it round circle now. So we've talked the future in terms of digital currency, how the markets will change, and also how we will live our lives on some of these different planes, if you will metaverse, if you will. Let's bring it back to what our show always focuses on, which is the arts. How will it change their lives? The artisans, the artists, the musicians, the actors, the Mm. filmmakers, the writers. What do you think their lives will look like? I think you're going to be able to do storytelling, uh, a unique individualized storytelling like like we couldn't do today. Because right now, when you're writing a book or you're making a movie, you know, you have to think about when you think about your audience, you're thinking about a group of people, right? You're marketing to a group of a demographic, right? In this metaverse, you're going to be able to market to an individual. 
right? Uh, an individual could tell you what their preferences are, an experience they would like to have, and you can make it for them, right? Mm. Maybe it's meeting a historical uh, figure, uh, having a conversation um, with a celebrity that they, they couldn't meet in real life. Um, maybe it is their dream home that they could never afford. You could you could build it. They could they could walk through it, and then they could have an NFT title to it. And nobody else has mm. it. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of things there. It's going to look a lot different than than what we're used to. Um, but I think I think those experiences are you know stuff that we just don't have the technology for, or it's it's expensive today. But I think that that that's where it's going to go. Well, Goat Roper, uh, thank you for joining us today. Hey, man, my pleasure. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show. <laughs> Very insightful. Uh, we're going to have to have him back for some more discussions that will go even deeper. But until then, we're just going to have to wait. Thank you guys for listening. Again, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Nathan Brady. Thanks for joining us. And if you like that, of course, you can check out some of our stuff at NovaDayProductions.com, as well as follow us at underscore Novo underscore Day, and Day is D-E, and at NovaDayMedia. Like, subscribe, do all the things. You know what to do. Rate and review if you'd like to be on the show and sponsor our little love child here. Reach out to us at NovoDayMedia at gmail.com. So until next time, we'll see you in the next one. So be good to each other, and as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by NovoDay Productions, created and hosted by NovoDay and the NovoDay Collective. Facebook.com slash NovoDayMedia, at NovoDayMedia on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash AcoMusic123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.